by flying in the face of conventional wisdom, flying in the face of our uh, brutally long pre-show meeting that we just had. Man, we are saying... so behind. I literally, as you were saying that, was sending a text to my wife, who is uh, off of work today, um, that we are just tragically behind, and I will not <laughs> I will not be back to, into the house at the time I believed I would originally. Well, good news on that front. I was going to say maybe out of necessity since you had to talk to your wife about stuff. Um, is that I, I'm i predicting this is going to be a short show. Wow. I think, we, I think we can do it. That is a bold and early prediction that surely guarantees its own demise. <laughs> we do have a lot of content to talk about. Um, I don't think this is a, a big episode of the challenge, uh, all stars rather. Like, I don't think that, I don't think we need to do a huge deep dive. That's, okay. So I, I do think have we... some notes though. Oh, just, oh, sure. I got notes. I'm not okay. saying I don't have notes. Just saying. Like uh, this. Yeah. Do we want to start get it, with it, it then? Because this, sure. I found this to be a week of wanton stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> I I figure that's mostly because Sylvia's prominently involved. Well, yes, and I hate her, and I'm glad she's gone. But you know, sports hate, challenge hate, uh, and I'm glad yeah. she's gone. But you know what? You know what? I, can I? If I if I'll say one nice thing about Sylvia, I really enjoyed the uh, thirty seconds she turned into a mom on the phone. She she seemed like a good mom, a good a really good stepmom actually. She, I mean, who knows? I'll give her this. She seemed like an involved stepmom who, like, is sincere about doing the job of mothering that child. So and good the for child her. seemed to genuinely her. like her. I think. Yeah, you know, I think, could, yes. Well, we, to, know, and to genuinely like, have the correct, like, mother-son relationship and not some weird, uh, you know. Uh, she's clearly involved in that kid's life, <laughs> you know? Yeah. In a good way. In a good way, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like her, so it's hard for me to admit that her being involved in anyone's life is a good thing. But, like, she seems to be momming in the appropriate – in an appropriate way. Um, yeah. And, the, and the congratulations sex- to her. I'm glad she likes her life because hopefully that means she'll never come back on a challenge. Um, <laughs> no, I think – didn't she already say she was coming back? She did, yes. It, uh, that was the worst part of the episode. Anyway, listen. <laughs> I Look, the other thing I will say is that uh, – she clearly made a stupid mistake in this game, but I think she she owned that. <laughs> I mean, this was, but but it's t- she made a, okay. She made a stupid mistake in how she handled everything, right? But also, we've spent the last three weeks talking about how the the women competitors outside the treehouse are like brain dead. And somehow not 
teaming up to 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 have some chance of competing with the treehouse. They're not like they haven't figured the game out, right? The treehouse, which Sylvia is a part of, and which did seem to have the game figured out. Now Sylvia went ahead and galvanized the opposition together. <laughs> yeah. She undid their stupid mistake that they've been making throughout the entire season. She went and was like, she she might as well have gone to the rest of the house and been like, have you guys not realized that you need to team up with the other people who are not in the treehouse <laughs> so you can come after us? <laughs> And that's, and that's, you know, the thing is, is like, it might still be too late, but if they had just picked off one more, it definitely would have been too late. Right. So, yes. Um, and here's the other thing about Sylvia. And this, I think fundamentally, this gets at why she drives me nuts. After the, there was like a, an ITM that I think was right after the elimination where she looks dead at the camera. And says, basically, I already should have won a challenge. And I had this on lockdown. If I didn't make this one mistake today, I was absolutely going to win this challenge. And then she goes, but this is a humbling experience. <laughs> Clearly not, lady. Not, not, not that humbling. Uh, Clearly, it was I, not humbling enough. You're not I, that good I at this. What she was saying, though, like that she she did have some control of the game that she, you know, let slip from her did fingers. She, or but, did Kayla? Uh, <laughs> but no, and that's the thing is like Kayla's the one who has this game unlocked right now, and Kayla. You would clearly favor Kayla over Sylvia in a final, right? So, in a final, um, in anything, in in anything, <laughs> even though in their last elimination, I do believe Sylvia won. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just, and, and I don't like you don't know how solid that relationship really is, right? Like, and it definitely was not the trajectory of that relationship was not Sylvia winning a challenge. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think their relationship is pretty solid. Okay. I, 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 uh, that it may be. But, I'm just saying, like, you don't really with know <laughs> until they test it with stakes on a challenge. Um, yeah. Also, while we're talking about what the hell were you doing, MJ? What are you doing, bro? You're asking for sabotages now. Yeah. That. That was a little weird. Have we I not established we that's a bad idea? Which I think was the right one. It just it just burned him. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, he did what he had to do at elimination. Um, yeah. Boy, Derek's stealth game sure got flipped upside down all of a sudden out of nowhere, huh? <laughs> yeah. But Nehemiah's stealth game. Yeah. Pretty I have that in my notes. When he started talking about it, I'm like, you're right, man. I almost forgot you were here. Yep. <laughs> also, Nehemiah was involved in my favorite moment of this episode. Can you guess what that was? Ooh, I don't know. Was it a, was it a burn? Nope, not at all. It was the exact opposite of a burn. All right, hit me. It was when they 
Wes and Nehemiah were clearly eliminated from the daily challenge. Like they were, you know, on their paddle boards, stuck way behind the rest of the pack. Oh, that was great. <laughs> and they played the Enya. Yeah. You know, the, I think it's the one from it's Titanic, right? Da, 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 da. I see Titanic, but I don't think that's in Titanic. I could be wrong. Is isn't it that Enya song that they played? I, Only I'm, who can say that's the one. The, yeah. Is that in Titanic? I don't know. Really? For some reason, it makes me think of Titanic, even if it's not in it. Which is, frankly, the worst part of Celine that song. Celine Dion is Titanic. I know, well, Celine Dion is, yeah, is My Heart Will Go On. But there are other songs in Titanic you may have. Um, does any play in Titanic, per Google? Last year, we got some insight on Enya on why she declined to participate on Titanic huh. in the Wall Street interview. I was sent well, a script. They were actually working with some of my music as they were filming. Um, so there you go. I don't know why it makes me think of Titanic. <laughs> well, I mean, it does. It is the kind of song that you would play while you're, you know, floating along about to hit an iceberg. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was a beautiful love song for Wes and Nehemiah, and uh, that's good times. Uh, Sylvia also, you know, especially given that in the end she picked Naya for the elimination she really turned John A aggressively against her for no particular reason yeah yeah that wasn't great wasn't great and that's not a person you want to turn aggressively against you no not as, <laughs> and she knows that right like I, I don't uh, I, I don't I, I just don't understand what she's doing and I uh her looking at her face makes me angry um but you know Johnny and Naya, and I know they're not the only two, but I think they're the best two of the. Uh, actually, you know what? Kellyanne's in that group. Johnny, Naya, and Kellyanne versus the Treehouse. It's a f fairly fair fight, I feel like. Well, the three I, pretty good competitors. I mean, I honestly think it's an unfair fight in a daily, in terms of a daily challenge, because they're all three good, and like the Treehouse has some. Some dead you know, weight. If, if but, you're only numbers. as good but, as your yeah. worst competitor, right? I suppose, but it's like it depends on the event too. It does. Like, you it know, it depends I mean? on the event. Um, but and look, I mean, Naya is a bit of a wild card more than she's like a, a hot shot. But um, that's a pretty good trio to ride with, and you have to feel like now that Sylvia she's really like nice, brought nice. them together. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, that's going to sure. be more of a thing, and so I I think that sets up well because now the, pro the the thing you would worry about is the numbers, obviously, which is part of you know that's why it depends on the game, uh, who you lean towards. But there's no voting right now, so in terms of the numbers affecting like who goes into elimination, it's not really an issue. Yeah, that's more just I... about winning, and I I'm I am loving what they are doing stylistically, by the way, and the fact that there's one more sabotage, my guess is that the sort of role of the sabotage is going to be filled now by whatever's going on with these stars. You know what I mean? Still don't know what the stars do. So, um... And, like, if you're getting rid of the sabotage, bringing in the stars is the perfect thing. Yeah. We should probably start keeping track of who has a lot of this. I think John A has a lot, right? Yeah, Derek has a lot now because MJ had a bunch. Um, oh, and Derek gets all of those, huh? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. I yeah. wonder if they aren't lifesavers. 
Yeah, I don't know. Life I mean, that would be a lot of lifesavers to have like four of them if you're Derek. Advantages and challenges or something. I don't know. Right, like, but uh, some sort of some sort of wild card you can play at whatever point of the game. Um, I, I think the uh, like basically being the opposite of a sabotage makes some sense. Right. Um, and I wonder actually it'd be. Uh, too late now it would have been kind of cool to introduce them in the game where you could like cancel out sabotages and stuff you know um would have would have added some intrigue right would have been made it certainly made it harder to pick on mj every time yeah um yeah because john a would have had some power i want to ask you about brad because i feel like we've been sleeping (laughs) on brad a little bit you know what i mean like brad is kind of kicking ass in this group is brad Uh, this is a tweet, but um, Brad is the new Leroy, my column. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. I feel like we also need to address Brad's head tattoo. Uh, for such – you know, it's funny, man. Brad was a a nut as a, as a young man. He's a father of two boys that have to be – the older one has to be getting up to, towards 10 because I remember he originally left the show, I think, w- when he had that kid, and it was a while ago. Yeah. Um, he is. He has clearly just, in terms of a keeping his head about him, matured a, a remarkable amount and is super calm and in his own, with all due respect, simple way, analytical about how he's handling the show and his strategy uh and i just don't have any belief that he could ever win you know i i think he's a real contender i think he's really i think that's what i mean by like brad's the new lee i and weirdly enough i i thought leroy might win more often than not but yeah i mean i get suckered by leroy too there is something, yeah. There is something about Brad to me that's just like he's like he's like a dude that's like third best at, ev- at in everything, right? And different people have their strengths, and I guess that could serve you in the long run. But just like I get, he's just not on the level of someone like Wes or I don't know, even even Mark. In terms of like the way he's thinking things through, and I don't know, he's just like, you're right, you're right. He's like, he can do strategy, but he's not as good a strategy as, as Wes. He's right. really strong, but not as strong as Mark. Like, right. yeah, I get what you're saying, but you know, I think maybe the combo of those things, you know what I mean? Like, like why, you know, Brad maybe. is Jalen Brown, my column. You I know will, I- yeah, yeah, I will say, <laughs> I I have really enjoyed him as a presence because like. He's got something for you in an ITM, and in, it's never, like, explosive or furious anymore, right? But it's like he's thinking about the game, and he's got something to say, and he, he knows he's what's – You know what I mean? He's, he's, can, he's candid. In yeah, he's very – well, he's very – I don't want to keep calling him simple, but he's just, like, a very straightforward dude, it seems. Um, he and is. Sincere. He also – has has pretty good relationships in this game, right? Yeah, because so. he seems like a sincere guy who who like isn't a deep thinker, but like not in a bad way. If that makes yeah. sense. 
It does lead me to like the final thing of this, uh, which is that I thought a lot, you know, they did a lot of the, why I'm, why I'm playing for money, uh, ITMs this week. And yeah. a lot of them were kind of hilariously vague. Yes. Where, where it's like, you have no idea what you're going to do with this one idea, which is like, fine, by the way, I, I'm going to make my life better. <laughs> yeah. Damn right. It's like, all right, cool, man. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I like, I support that. I even though I have a lot of respect for the people who are like I have a distinct plan for my two hundred fifty thousand dollars that I'm never ever gonna see. Um, I kind of appreciate someone who's like I haven't budgeted the money. I have a very small chance of winning. <laughs> you know, like Shout out to dog rescue. I'm saying I think I've heard enough about the dog rescue. You know, <laughs> I respect it. I just I just got a dog from a shelter. Like I have a new shelter dog living in my home and I love her so much already in like 3 weeks. But calm down. I like you're you're probably not winning it. If you do win it, it you're getting half cuz the government's taking half. And like show me the dog rescue when it exists. Uh yeah. Okay, fair enough. Boyfriend seems nice though. Um all right. Anything he did, else didn't he? And normal? Yeah. <laughs> normal, yeah. Yeah. yeah that Please was interesting. Um, anything else you want to add about the challenge? Uh, I have no other specific notes. Um, so I think we're probably good. Uh, I will just say again, I love Derek, and I am so glad he won that elimination, even though I have no issues with MJ. I... Uh, I was really nervous that that MJ made a smart decision that that of all the things yeah. to compete with Derek in something puzzly, but it turned out not to be so puzzly. It, yeah, it wasn't super puzzly. Um, and, and also MJ one, got stuck. Another one, by the way, where where the neither elimination was particularly close. <laughs> like, well, I, and that was surprising. Like. For the guys, because especially <laughs> when Derek started trampling the sand, that was the first thing I said when they showed the preview of this elimination. I was like, "He's running all over the sand, right in front of the hole. What's he doing?" Yeah, Brad. Had, Brad was on that with the divots. <laughs> yes, the divots, and uh, that's what I mean about Brad. That was the perfect Brad moment because it was a it was a good observation, but. He managed to present it in a way that by the time he was done talking about it, you were like, we get it with the divots, dude. Chill. <laughs> we got it. We got your divots, man. Um, <laughs> all right. But he's um, totally sincere the whole time, right? I mean, it's kind of a beautiful thing. I really yeah. enjoy having Brad back. And to to bring it full circle on the neck tattoo, it's a very aggressive tattoo for a man that now is relatively soft-spoken. Hey, right. And that's the thing is, it's like he's got to shave that all the time to show it off. That's, yeah. that's sort of what I think his decision, I think, is, a, is an interesting one, because yeah, I would man. be letting that grow out myself. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm going to miss MJ, by the way. That's uh, that's the other thing I feel like. Really good say. presence on the show. Honestly, like, especially now that Sylvia's gone, I think I'm going to feel sad every week about who, whoever it is that gets eliminated. I, I enjoy watching most of these people, even the ones that I don't necessarily love 
it it uh, it seems like MJ is going to be back on every one of these though. So I'm, I hope okay. so. Honestly, like I I say with some frequency out in the world that you know I love the four major American sports: uh, football, basketball, baseball, and the challenge. Um, and it's a bit of it's a bit tongue in cheek, but I I sincerely believe that there is a specific type of athlete slash person who both thrives on and is engaging television on this show. And I, why shouldn't they play every season and get paid to do it? You know what I mean? Like I, I hope MJ is back. I like if, if this is his career now, good for him. He, he, he earns it with his performance. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's bringing it. Um, all right, let's talk about the boys. <laughs> Speaking of earning it. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, the boys is like, all right, you like what we got, huh? Well, here's a whole lot more of it. Well, uh, but what I appreciate is they're engaged in a sort of, uh, you know, dark comic camp, right? I mean, there's a, there, is a, there is a camp to what they do. And just when you think they've done the most, they somehow do the mostest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not like, I, I mean, I had no thought to it somehow having more spectacularly gross death. Yeah, and now I'm totally the other way where I think they're going to continue to f- try to find ways to. Yes, to up that ante now, like but the ability the with the guy in the penis. Oh my god! You know, then it's like you got to keep going up, right? That's there's the only way to go from there. You, I mean, look, this show is not for the faint of heart. You spend a solid what twenty seconds staring at a full screen uh, penis head with the hole just gaping in front of you. Uh, it is a long shot, man, and then you're inside, you know. So. That and then it explodes. And you're outside. <laughs> so that's what this show does, maybe best. But I will say, I think they have also done a pretty. I don't know if I would say like excellent or spectacular so much as just like I am impressed at the commitment to also continuing to make the story interesting. See now, I him. <laughs> I this is not me saying the story isn't interesting because I, I I I'm really enjoying watching this show. It's super bingeable. But I don't know because I do feel like it gets a little bit repetitive. You know what I mean? Oh, like, see, I feel like this season is pretty different. Hmm. I mean, I guess I I'm I'm into like I think maybe we we watched all three. Uh, there have there only been three, or did was there a fourth one yet? I've watched three. Yeah, uh, I think there's only been three. I guess maybe we're going to enter back into the same cycle, given what has happened in the first three, without trying to give too much away. Um, and honestly, that I'd be fine with that. But I do feel like they're at least trying to push. I mean, look, the conceit of the show is pretty simple and broad, like superheroes but they are operated by a 
massive American corporation and uh, that comes with all the normal corruption and whatnot. Um, what would that look like? And I think there are sort of a lot of tentacles off of that question of what that would look like. And I think they have they do a reasonably interesting job of, you know, walking down each of those many roads to some extent. And I appreciate that. I've got some interesting news for you, uh, at least per Wikipedia. Mm. So episode four dropped is out now, dropped today. Oh, hello. Um, But there's only two more and they're only going to be one week. So (laughs) um, there's six total, six total. Yeah. And now they're coming. They're coming once a week from here on out. Um, Fair enough. I mean, look, I just are you sometimes Wikipedia doesn't have the whole season until sometimes it may be true. But the last two seasons were only eight. So, I mean, either way, it's not going to be a lot more saying up here. It says eight. It says eight. Sorry. It's going to be four more, but they're only coming once a week. I'll survive. Yeah. But I will be watching every week, right? I mean, I'm going to watch this every week. Uh, yeah, I probably will be watching this every week. I, I, I would agree with you. It's, it's you know, it's a, it's a adrenaline hit. It's yes. a, much it, like the, the weird drugs that they take in the show at the time. Compound <laughs> V. This show definitely has not lost anything in terms of entertainment value if you've enjoyed it in previous seasons. Yeah. Do you think Kamiko and Serge are just going to leave? Because that really seemed like a good idea when she said that. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. And especially then, like, Butcher came right in and started being a dickhead. Like, I I, I certainly think Serge wants to leave. But whether he can pull himself away is probably another story. Agreed. I don't know, man. Seems like it'd be the move. But yeah, um, <laughs> I, I'd be rooting for those two kids to just uh, spirit themselves away to a quiet retreat somewhere and live out the rest of their lives in peaceful happiness. Be very quiet. She'd be yep. typing on yep. that phone. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I guess he does sign language, actually, right? So he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, that's my bad. <laughs> anyway, the boys is great, right? That's where that's where we're at. It's still great it's show. still very fun. Yep. I, I have some words about where this goes long term um, just because like I feel like it's like how many times can you get the butcher to get the crew back together to you know what I mean? How many missions can you go on here and this sort of thing? Like there needs yeah. to be some sort of advancement of the you know, especially because they're not ever going to kill Homelander. I don't think. Are you so, sure? If I had to bet, I would say Homelander sure. is dead by sure. the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, I know that's sort of pointing to him kind of as like, the, you know, we're going to do this. He's definitely like the big bad of this season, very specifically in a way that maybe he wasn't in the first couple. Yeah. he Boy, he's having fun being the big bad, though. Oh, huh? I, you know, honestly, I can't believe we're about to move on without saying Anthony Starr, who plays Homelander, is so perfect. Like, I don't know... You know, most actors bring a piece of themselves to any role they do or whatever, and and I'm sure the casting was good. But, like, I can't imagine him or anyone doing a better job of filling this role in the way that he – he's so good. Yeah. I'm really glad that I saw Banshee, you know. Yeah. Yeah. where he's playing a very different kind of 
it's almost it's almost polar opposite characters. You know what I mean? Like the other guy, like you know, uh, Homelander is a just brutally evil guy. You know, you know what I mean? Sort of presenting as a as a uh, hero, traditional hero, and the you know the Banshee character is basically opposite, right? Yeah, He's, yeah. You know. <laughs> Yep. Like, like a nice guy kind of presenting as a scumbag. Um, so, um, yeah, like, and they're, they're both really great gonzo sort of performances. So yeah, uh, yeah. totally different. I'm, it's, it's a nice perspective, but yeah, he's really killing it in the show. He's just so good. And, and he has to be, he has to sell that he's capable of convincing the whole world. He's a charismatic hero and also of being an absolute evil psychopath and he yeah. carries it off perfectly it's just it's wonderful i think a lot of the satire doesn't work that's he, yeah 100% firing on all cylinders so um yeah it's a good show it's a good show i you know i think because of the, the gory uh scatological nature of it i don't know that it's going to be a show that i think gets the sort of like prestige tv shine uh, but I think it'll just have to settle for being uh, wildly popular and, and loved. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I don't see like there's a there's a level of disgusting to this show that probably keeps it from serious people taking it too seriously. But you know that's uh, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine because <laughs> every single thing about this show from the acting to the writing, to the storytelling, to the, the the visual production is being executed at the absolute highest level. Yeah. You know? By the way, I do think um, it's possible that uh, Soldier Boy, right, like mm. winds up being the, the big bad, right? Like I feel like there's sort of a – Like we're he getting, he's coming We back haven't seen that. a lot of him, but he's getting a lot of shine. You know what I mean? In terms of the way people are talking, you know? Yeah, so, that's true. So I don't know. Be, we'll be interesting. All right, let's uh, let's jump on to Pistol because I know you got some stuff you want to say about Pistol. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I watched the whole thing. Uh, as we were discussing in our interminable pre-show meeting, I since we last spoke, you have watched no Pistol and I have watched all Pistol. Um I just I was never a punk or or that into punk rock to be honest. Um I just prefer more melodic stuff generally and honestly the punk that a lot of the punk that people were into like in my high school I feel like was more of like thrash, you know, less musical. Bands like the Sex Pistols, or I'm I'm trying to think of other big punk bands that really, it's everything about it is punk, but there's a musicality to it that I can really lock into. Um, so I did love the Sex Pistols just musically as a high school college kid, but I probably hadn't listened to Nevermind the Bollocks for a decade. And it's just great. And so watching this show and sort of being transported to this grimy punk 70s world really 
inspired me to listen to the music and uh, watch some of the old footage and go on a bit of a Sex Pistols deep dive. And and it's just a fascinating band. It's a fascinating moment and sort of turning point in music history and rock history. And it's it's one of these incredible sort of I don't know even know what the word confluences of bizarre coincidence that this thing ever happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got a lot of I mean, you could just see in the beginning, right? Like there's a lot of interesting, creative uh, and really legendary people hanging out in this clothing shop in London. Right. Yep. You know, this sort of offhand clothing shop in London in a way that I didn't know. And in a way that. You know, you said you dope deep dove into the music. I deep dove into Christy Hines' Wikipedia page. Uh-huh. Um, just because I – if you told me they were making a show about the Sex Pistols, I would not have expected her to be involved at all. No, you but she I mean? was deeply involved she in was. their formation. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and uh, so, like, I was like – it set me to, to run to find out how much it was true. Um, I also had no idea how much Malcolm McLaren – not like I knew his role as sort of the vibe setter and impresario. Yeah, but I didn't realize how specifically and deliberately he also ruined the band. Yeah, you know? I didn't know that. <laughs> so, like he systematically dismantled them. Um, and I, I like it's fascinating because what. Look, I mean, it's entirely possible that staying together would have actually diminished their relevance and influence in the long term. Because um, maybe I would say likely, what? Especially, especially having having seen one of their reunion shows, I would say likely. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, maybe, not, and it's meant to last for fifteen albums. You know what I mean? Maybe so. At the same time, what? Here's what the sex. I think the one thing this show does that. I, I didn't mind it because I enjoy again. I really enjoyed the storytelling. Danny Boyle is at his Danny Boyle this is here. Yeah. Um, it's somehow like it, it, it's really the the meeting point somehow between fucking train spotting and Slumdog Millionaire. I don't know how to explain that. It's um, such a house. The show, you know. Yeah, it's right. Yeah, exactly. And it's spectacularly done. The Again, I really feel transported to the time and place watching it, which is, I think, why I enjoyed it so much. Uh, the actors are all super committed and really impressive. Um, the one thing it does that I maybe didn't love, and I don't know, it is based on Steve Jones's own biography, so perhaps he also did this in print, and I, I, I have not read that. But the the relevant musicality from a couple of the people involved and and like usefulness as band member I think is a little undersold because Steve Jones is not friggin Jimmy Page but he did he he figured something out like Steve Jones as the frankly only guitarist on the Sex Pistols only album is creating something special musically and i feel like that was undersold a little bit like chrissy hine just taught him three chords and he just sort of experimented they do 
reference it once at the very end when he's like, I'm trying to play my part and Sid's part because this Joker can't play at all, which is absolutely true. But what Steve Jones did from a like sonic architecture standpoint, Paul Cook as a drummer is actually quite good. And Johnny Rotten, for all the things that make him obnoxious and distasteful, he also was on to something. Like, this is an interesting album on every level, musically, lyrically, and I, I'm i not sure. In a way, like, I feel like the this show is sort of admitting that for all his vileness, Malcolm McLaren wins because the Sex Pistols are more about the ethos than the music. When I would argue that, in fact, the music was as impactful as the ethos. Mm. That's, um, you know... It, that's another thing where I think, like, I mean, the, the, a lot of the impact in the music is because they, they came in a moment that was opportune for them. You know what I mean? In terms 100%. of what's happening in society. But you could say that about the Beatles. Yeah, sure. I it's it's weird because I feel like of the you know the kind of the triumphant of the great seventies punk band. They're probably my third favorite. You know, uh, the uh, other two being the Clash, Clash, the Clash, and the Ramones. Okay. I think I they'd probably be second for me. I was never a huge Ramones guy. The Clash would be the undisputed number one. But again, that like okay, if if in my mind the Sex Pistols are sort of half about the ethos, or maybe two thirds, and and you know half or a third about the music, the Clash to me is like ninety ten music ethos and and what they were doing musically was so much broader and more interesting and more creative not broader i should say i but like uh they uh, they were capable of a much wider breadth of stuff musically yeah I, that's certainly true certainly more stylistically varied and all of that stuff yeah. i i think you might be underselling the ethos of the clash a little bit but um yeah then... maybe it's 80 20 and it's not because <laughs> the ethos was no good it's because the yeah. music is fucking incredible the ethos didn't matter um but yeah and and look this the show is it's very it's it's i didn't finish it not because i uh won't finish it because i wasn't into it i just you know wasn't prepared to go all that way with all the other stuff we had to watch yeah we're uh, busy shit soon um all right let's talk about some of those other things we got we have to watch because we got a few more of them to go um do we yeah just sure. two right two yeah um, Norm McDonald. Hmm. So, uh, I suggested this. You did. What was your favorite part? Uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. So, I had to make three attempts to watch this because the first two times I fell asleep. Fair. Uh, and usually that's a lot on me. If you know me, I'm prone to, you know, going out on the couch every now and again. Yeah. This time, I don't know. But I'm glad that I came back for a third time because my favorite part was easily not the special, but the uh, Norm's friends, Conan O'Brien and Dave Chappelle and Adam Sandler, David Spade, Molly Shannon, David Letterman, yep. breaking down the special and remembering Norm. Yep. And. You know, Chappelle in particular really getting into some of the nuances of what he was doing. Yep. I appreciated that greatly because I thought the special uh, itself 
you know, with just a static image of Norm sitting there with a microphone and headphones uh, and no audience. And, you know, as Chappelle kind of pointed out, probably about 13 minutes out of the 38 that don't really kill. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, it wasn't the easiest watch, I felt. Like no. I, it, and I, and, or the most hilarious, you know what I mean? Nope. And and I was really worried that I was going to have to come on here and like shit all over a dead guy that we all like <laughs> in his last performance. Yeah. And so I, I, I thought that that coda both gave me an understanding and, uh, uh, you know, a, a better understanding of what he was doing in the special itself. And then also a greater appreciation for just him as a guy and what he meant to the people around him. 100%. Um, I agree with every single thing you just said, and I would just sort of put a bow on it to say it doesn't work without the postscript. Um, and so I'm just so glad that they were able to get really a tremendous collection of people who refused to let Molly Shannon get a word in edgewise. Um, <laughs> get apologizing. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Molly. Uh, anyway, what I was going to say is, yeah, there was a lot of that. But um, to your point, Chappelle, who I had no idea, I don't even know what movie they made together, but um, the way he talked about him, I, I, I don't want to get into this, but I will say that watching Dave Chappelle in this conversation re-infuriated me about the way he's handling his own comedy right now because he's so smart and so thoughtful and such a... He sees it. He sees he seems when he's like that, he seems to see everything so well and and have such great perspective on it. And listening to him talk about a man he loved was beautiful and thoughtful and wonderful. And it did help me understand more about Norm as a person who, as everyone there said, even they like truly understanding Norm as a person was a tough thing because he was sort of always in the bit. Um and so yeah. I, I, the 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 special and this is another point someone made it seemed like there was in fact an audience inside of Norm's head. He was sort of taking short applause breaks or laughter breaks after some of this. You know what I mean? It, it seemed like a guy practicing a set he absolutely intended to do in front of people. And look, he may have realized he was never going to get to, which is probably part of the sort of heartbreak of watching the thing. Um but the conversation both contextualized and helped me appreciate what was otherwise just not really a thing totally worth watching. Like, without the perspective, I don't know that I would have gotten anything out of the stand-up. It, it yeah. wasn't as bad as Reese Darby. Like, there were a few laughs. It's Norm, for God's sakes. But... It didn't work totally without an audience. And even as they discussed how clever and wonderful it was from their perspective, I think everyone on that panel admitted it didn't totally work without an audience. And like it what wasn't really stand-up. It was stand like, up. Like, like a swim meet without the water? Yeah. And and David Letterman sort of hammered the point to a, to a level where I was like, dude, chill. The guy's dead. Uh, of being like, well, this isn't stand-up. Right? Like he said, he kept coming back to it like, it's interesting and it's reflective, but that's not stand up, you know? I was yeah. like, Dave, good God, man. Relax. <laughs> but it's great to hear people who really 
you can tell understand the intricacies of comedy like yes talking about some of that by the way the the movie was uh 2000s screwed hmm. uh also starring danny devito and sarah silverman it's a hell of a cast of a movie i have no rem- memory of existing nope me neither <laughs> um, even looking at the story guy don't remember someone did make the joke i think it may have been conan like oh yeah dave when's that movie coming out <laughs> uh, Letterman's a treasure <laughs> I mean honestly I thought it was interesting to see all of those people who knew him from a different perspective and all of whom are such different and interesting characters that we know pretty well um, like the way Dave Chappelle thought about his dead friend was very philosophical and thinking about what he meant to him in his life in specific ways, but also what that meant about who Norm was and, you know, the nature of people and stuff like that, right? Um, uh, Molly Shannon, you could tell, felt like she, in the rare moments she was allowed to speak, was it was very clear that she felt like she had a different and special connection with Norm as a human being from anyone else there. Um, it seemed like he liked he liked her the best. He <laughs> did, and and I I thought that was fascinating, you know. And then honestly, like the the part that hit me the hardest was I th- I think was Adam Sandler because to me of all the people there, he looked like a guy who just was super sad that his friend was gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he didn't. He had some good SNL stories, but for the most part, he was listening to what other people had to say and being like, ah, oh, yeah, that was Norm. Yeah, you know, God, I loved him. And that that kind of hit me. Like, Adam Sandler is just one of the most genuine characters that we've had in, in our pop culture lives. He's well, been I, around in the public eye most of my and your live yeah. lives. And, and I... <laughs> Like a pretty famous level, you know. What I at mean? a hugely famous, at a like write your own movie checks level for basically since we were in high school or middle middle school for me maybe, and in all that time, like he's just really been nothing. Even doing some pretty mediocre work at times, he does it unapologetically, sincerely, and with the knowledge of like, hey, you know, like I'm making some stuff for kids. Like it's not for everybody, and that's okay. Oh, like, and I'm going to employ all of my friends. Yes, and as I think we're about to get to, he can, he's also capable of some really good work, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting to hear, you know, who you're talking about, um, you know, him being this genuine person, because he definitely made me cry a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <This week. laughs> uh, which is a, a nice segue into Hustle, uh, which is the Netflix basketball movie that he made. A drama, I might add. It's, I think feel like you have to specify that, right? Like, there, there are two separate sure. categories. So the Sandler drama versus the um, Sandler comedy. There are, and, I would say, like, there are laughs in this, you know? There are funny moments, yeah, but this is a dramatic a, film. For sure. Um, but I just, I don't know, I thought this was such a charming, lovely movie. And a great sports movie. You know what I mean? Like just in terms of the the basketball that you get to see uh, filled with real players, uh, both real NBA players and real street ball players. Mm-hmm. It's shot super well. It looks great. Yeah. Um, 
I yeah, want to say it's... one thing since you just mentioned all the the cast of characters. Uh, oh, but uh, remind me to get to Queen Latifah. But before that, I don't know if you got this too because I really like this movie. I thought it was just you know, a, it's not an Oscar winner, but just a really solid dramatic film about stuff I love with characters I love. Um, I did at the at the end. the The end credits is like a who's who of NBA and streetball players, right? And there was a moment where I was like, a little part of me kind of feels like Adam Sandler made this movie as much for the end montage of all the people he got to hang out with as for any other reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I think a part of that also stems from the fact that as I have heard you know, listen to actors who've worked with him talk about him over the years. Like, I get the sense that that's really more than anything what he's doing. And I so identify with that, that like, if I had the cachet of that sort of person that I would just want to, sure, it's work, but like, really, I just want to set up situations where I can hang out with my friends for a month and have have a good time. Um, And that really, I think, in the best way that comes across in this movie, like everyone is enjoying being around each other. Um, and I thought from a, from a NBA player perspective, the two key roles were tremendously well cast. I thought Wancho was really good and Anthony Edwards was perfect. Yeah. And uh, I, your I think guy, he, yeah. your guy, Ant was spectacular. And he's, I mean, he, he is. I, I think the world is not quite understanding yet. Um, Ant's the, the level of Ant's personality. Like he is just a, a, a charming dude. You and, know, like and you know what? Pre- I want to give him this credit because I think because of how outgoing he is, you could mistake him for the character in this film. Um, yeah, that's on him. His, his vibe is, doesn't have that kind. I mean, maybe it does on the court when no one's looking. You sure. Know, or, no, but like but he is honestly to play the part the way as successfully as he did. I think you have to have a bigger understanding than that guy does. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think he gets it more. And I think he's also just more fun and less nasty. Right. But he nailed the character and and you completely believe who he is and and you know when's the last time now granted they needed nba players to pull it off but when's the last time you saw a sports movie with action that was this convincing yeah uh, that's i that's to me it's one of the one of the great things about this like it's really yeah it's great um i i think you got to give credit to that to jeremiah zagar who's the director i had to look this up <laughs> Because I thought he did a great job in the sense of getting these great basketball scenes, but also getting pretty good performances out of basketball players. Yes. Wancho and and Ant, for sure, and they had the most to do. But I think a lot of the other people in this movie are pretty good. Like, you know, like Kenny Smith is pretty good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so like you know, and there's a there's a few more of those I think that uh, along those lines where you're not necessarily expecting. Uh, them to do like like Dirk, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Dirk was you know, funny. he doesn't have a, a lot to do, but he's funny, right? And yep. like 
Yeah, it's um, I, I it's just a, it's a charming movie all the way around. The the professional actors that are in it are, are, are all, I think also do a really good job. Um, yeah, and, I will uh, say, uh, Ben Foster, both from the perspective of how that character was written and the performance he chose to to give, uh, was uh, pretty over the top. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked fine, you know what I mean? Like again, that, right? nobody's it's not right. Then, like when the Heidi Gardner character, you know, takes over the team later on, it doesn't make sense, right? If he's not a bit of an over-the-top dick, right? Because you have to believe that that's right. This guy make a mess out of the team in a, in a year, you know what yep. I mean? Yeah, and, and and again, like it it all it all plays right, and it like. N- I could nitpick a bunch of little things in terms of like exactly how stuff was done, but it all plays and it's just a good movie. It's just a good, enjoyable film. And, and one thing I want to say, and I remembered to get back to it myself. Congratulations to me. Um, as much as all of the other things we've already talked about, I think Queen Latifah holds this film together. And the reason is because, and maybe I can't really remember this in her career, Queen Latifah is utterly convincing as just a normal lady who happens to be married to Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah. And and I know that from like a historical context perspective, in general, we talk about wanting better for uh, women actors to have more opportunities to do other things than play the wife of the main character who's a totally normal lady. But I think in the case of Queen Latifah, I found it incredibly refreshing. And I don't want to say surprising because I have always thought she's a, a good actress, but like affirming to be like, oh yeah, she completely pulls off just normal lady that happens to be married to this guy. Well, it's normal lady, but it also like she, right? Because their, their relationship in this movie is sort of important and she has to be compelling in, in a way to kind of make that work. Right. 100%. Because normally this is a guy who's like basically never here. Right. So there isn't a family, right? Like you have to, this movie sort of requires the kind of almost appearing to be perfect family. Right. That, 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 um, uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez's character can envy Bocruz. There you go. Uh, can envy right and that doesn't work if she's just not like this kind of light that he's clearly drawn to when he's here and sad to be away from when he's on the road you know what yeah I mean? yes and just convincing as a mom and i just thought her performance really like you said was kind of necessary to tie the whole thing together and i just thought she was so good in all of the like quiet subtle ways that really great actresses or or actors can be. And I think for someone who is, I think because of her social profile and just like build often cast as like an outsized character, seeing her be just as convincing as a normal person, which I'm sure she is in real life was kind of awesome. Yep. Agreed. Um, can I, can I do one nitpick? Yeah. I really feel like, uh, having an assault charge, uh, is not really a, a much of a deal breaker in, in, in an NBA draft. Am I like, 
Like, I'm not saying that teams wouldn't flag it and look into it and be like uh, upset about it. But the idea that a guy had an assault charge five years ago and that would, that would make him radioactive as a draft prospect seems uh, unrealistic to me. Yeah, well, I mean, it didn't totally make him radioactive once they realized he could play, right? <laughs> right. So I thought that was actually kind of realistic. It was like, well, when he's some random Spanish dude who, like, has a viral video, then the assault charge is like, oh, maybe he's not a real basketball player. But when you realize he's a real basketball player, we don't care about assault charges. Come play for us, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I did, he did get drafted, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, and and seemed to to be uh, playing heavily as a rookie, so I would imagine he was drafted reasonably high. <laughs> that, that, that is fair. I I do think that that was just right. That, that the the scene like the postscript scene that was a real game, right? That they just took some footage from ultimately, right? And shot shot I a few th- things on the court. I think what they often do is ask the crowd to come early or stay late or like they do it at halftime. You know what I mean? Um, cause, cause Joel, Joel and beat is not in the movie except for that scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I'm sure they shot that at some point during or, or surrounding a, a Sixers game that was yeah, already cause you don't, you don't get, uh, you don't get Joel and beat in the movie and not in your movie and not use them. If you have them, you know what I mean? hundred percent. Um, yeah, but also, shout out to a friend of the pod, former guest Kate Scott, for the yes for little VO cameo there. We the did. End. We we got we got some Kate Scott at the end of the movie. That was great. I I wanted to text. You know, Kate's big time, so I try not to bother her. But I almost texted her to be like, "You're in a movie." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's not as big a deal to someone who's on TV uh, eighty two nights a year, but uh, you know, yeah. Uh, the Sixers fans in my life have have really taken a cape. It makes makes me happy. Yeah, she's really good at her job. Yep. You yep. know, I mean, you'll come around if you're not a dickhead. You know. <laughs> yep. A lot of dickheads out there, though. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are. But you know, I presume that most of your friends are are not that much of a dickhead. My friends are not dickheads. Yeah. That's correct. That's why I'm saying they treasure they treasure her. Yeah, yeah, Kate. Uh, and and not to throw shade at people for not not to just be firing strays for no reason, but like I think uh, she would stand out even better with an elite uh, color commentator. Oh, you did fire a stray there. <laughs> Sorry, Allah. Sorry. I feel like hey, I've watched went, enough to say that he went to Duke. I'll allow it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready to talk about some homework? Yes, sir. All right, so um, we we've got a show that, that had some some pre-show controversy. It's a movie, I guess, right? Uh, on HBO, Irma Vep is the name of the movie. It stars Alicia Vikander. Yeah, it's a. Um, I think it's a show, isn't it? Is it a show? I don't know. It's a I, show based uh, on an old movie. Based on a movie, and I read a synopsis that talked a little bit about the movie and a little about the show, and I was a little bit uh, hesitant. I guess Derek. would be the at this Derek so. is is feeling like this show is going to be too pretentious for him which as yeah. I say that out loud the concept seems absurd um <laughs> this is from a man who enjoyed mank so I don't know what we're talking about here it's true, it's true. <clears throat> but it's, true. it's 100% and on like, Rotten Tomatoes pretentious, but like uh Hollywood navel gazing <laughs> yeah it's uh it's oh, yeah. 
It's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I love Alicia Vikander. I make no sense. The lesson is always. Uh, Indeed. So I I think we'll enjoy this, but we'll see. Maybe you will come back saying, how dare they, these pretentious turds. Um, I'm interested to find out. Should make for a good conversation next week. Sure. Uh, All right. This next one, I'm going to give you a little warning. It's it's available, uh, but you got to pay for it. So I understand if you don't if you don't take on this homework. Uh, uh, yes, it, it, it's uh, also I I would be fascinated if you're listening to this. Uh, if all three of you would let us know, have you heard of the film we're about <laughs> to discuss? Because the fact that Derek, I had not, I had not, and that blows my mind because I thought it was a huge deal. Um, and you know I think a basic internet search confirms that it was a pretty big deal, but. Uh, it's certainly getting great reviews, and I generally follow things that get great reviews. But you know, movies are weird now. You know, that's true. Well, so. and I think it's a lesson again in how everyone's, uh, you know, intake in terms of culture is different and determined by a bunch of algorithms uh, that uh, can sort of confound and confuse each other. Very true. Very true. We should say the name of this movie, uh, which is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that, and that, uh, I forgot where it's streaming already, but you can buy it. I want to say rent it anywhere. It's VOD, but you probably have to, or not rent, but buy it, uh, on like Amazon or, and and I actually, I think I saw something about it being on a VOD that was cheaper, but, or free with commercials. I don't know. I don't know. I'll Google it. Um, you could certainly see it in the theater if you wanted to. And, um, Everyone I know who has done that has been very happy about it. All right. Uh, there's a show coming to Netflix with Melissa McCarthy and her husband called God's Favorite Idiot. Yes. You're going to take that on. Is the, When does that drop? Do you know? It's not uh, out. It's right? not until Wednesday, June 15th. Uh, and then also on Netflix, the film Metal Lords, uh, Metal which is Lords. a – coming of age comedy about two outsider teenagers that start a metal band mm-hmm. uh, with music from Tom Morello. Gotta uh, like that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and some interesting other producers. So um, we will uh, check that out. It looks It looks fun. And, uh, and that's it. That's, that's the homework for the week. And of course, another episode of the challenge all stars season three. Okay. We're getting, we're getting close to that final. Well, do you believe that? I mean, how close? <laughs> well, that's, that's a great, that's a great question. I don't think we're, I don't think we're one episode away. But put it that way. certainly not. No. Um, but who knows? They always surprise us somehow. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say there's like three, four more episodes. Uh, that's that's where right. I would guess as well. But uh, either way, we'll be talking about it every week and excited about it and what when does the next one uh, there is this this cbs challenge show coming that we're at least going to take a look at to decide whether it's worth our attention um and i think you said that was first week of july so that mid-july did you say early july yeah early july that that plays into you know four or five more episodes of this one pretty well yeah it sure does although they don't always especially since this one that one's airing on cbs as opposed to paramount plus yeah it's all the same company (laughs) (laughs) they don't always time them exactly right we have seen some overlap at times yeah Uh, no but that's what i i I think probably maybe one or two seasons before the all-stars or one or two weeks i should say before the all-stars end is about the right time to drop the new thing would be my guess 
Yeah, makes some sense. It'll be a challenge. It'll be a challenge without challengers, which should should be interesting. Uh, I should mention I am scheduled to be on vacation that week, and you you have some time off coming up, so we may miss an episode or two in the, in the next few weeks. So. All my time is time off, but the first week of July, I believe, will be a week off for the podcast. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How do we do on the short show? Eh, not great. God damn it. <laughs> Bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.